0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. We bless you, Lord. We honor you. Father, open hearts and eyes and courage folks today as your Word goes forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I already said out of the gate, if I stumble a little bit, Pastor and I are a little sleep-deprived, and, uh, but, but you'll see past my performance, if you will, and, and hear what with, with thus saith the Scriptures. Amen. Amen. I feel like pausing again, and that's kind of what happened in the first service. I, I feel kind of like this is a little bit of the quiet before the storm. I, f- I feel like um, we're about to step into something new, uh, a season where things that were difficult become easy, a season where things that seemed impossible all of a sudden or impossible seem possible, and you can't quite explain it because it was the same set of circumstances, the same issues, but just a light bulb goes off. You say, I know I can do God's got that. And, and I, I just feel like we're about to step into that new season, and um, with that, it's just kind of like a pause um, so we can recognize it. Um, you know, sometimes we're so busy we can miss things, but if you slow down and, and then pay attention, you, you can celebrate them as they happen. So hard to explain, but in my spirit, there's just that pause and that quietness. And I believe it's like the the psalmist would say at different points, he'd say salah, which literally means pause and think about it for a moment. And when I think about his goodness, when when I think about where he's brought me from, when when I think about where I started and where I am, I, I can't help. Give him thanks and praise. And just sometimes you got to stop thinking about the future. You got to stop thinking about next. And just thank him for where you are. What he's done. Because, you know, a lot of us in this room could be dead sleeping in our grave right now. Some of us could be in a psychiatric ward right now with rules running down the right side of your chin. See, I know we're all just a little bit crazy, but we're not half as crazy as we ought to be. You see, God brought us out before, and he'll bring us through again and again and again and again. It's what he does. That's, that's, That's just what he does. But recall the former days. Remember what he brought you through. Remember that, that period in which you were first illuminated or enlightened. Remember when God opened your eyes and you stopped just existing and started living for the first time. Remember the spiritual battles, though, That God brought you through and quickly followed. You know, when the devil used to fight me and I ran into problems, I I used to, the devil, he had me because I started to blame myself, fault myself, beat up on myself, and condemn myself. But over the years, I've discovered the fact that Satan fights me so hard is proof positive that God did something genuine in my life. And the only reason he fights me and fights you is because he sees you as a threat. So, if the devil never shows up and he never does nothing, it's probably because you run in the same direction he is. Let's talk to your neighbor, not you, though, okay? But he said, uh, remember, recall when you endured. You see, this is where we we miss it, particularly in the U.S. We want to reign with Christ, but we don't ever want to have to suffer with Christ or for Christ. But my Bible teaches no sacrifice, no reward. And all of us are going to have to go out on a limb every now and then. Because in my experience, that's where the best fruit is. The writer is giving commentary on the resilience and the steadfastness of some of the Hebrew community. He says, you endured. To get to where God wants you, there's going to be some hard knocks, there's going to be some bruises, there's some disappointments. But endurance is not doing what you always thought you could do, but doing the things you thought you never could do. That's endurance. And when I look back over my life, I say, how, dear God? But that's the miracle, that I know it wasn't me. Because if it was left to me, I'd be dead in my grave. I would have tore up more stuff than, than God could ever fix up. Scripture says, remember when a recall. Let me not say that God can fix everything. You endured a great struggle. You see, when God's words starts coming alive in your heart, the Bible says that the devil comes immediately to steal it. Why? And I feel like I'm saying this a lot, and, and I don't mean anything by it, except it's true. The last type of church God ever wants you in is in the Word church. He don't mind you in the shouting church. We're shouting church too. He don't mind you in worshiping our worship church, which a lot of churches do. But he'll do everything in his power to keep you away from an assembly that teaches God's word. Yeah. Yes, he he'll go to church, that teach politics, and there's a place for that, but not every Sunday. That's right. Teach social issues. Some churches teach blacks, some churches teach Republicans, ch- all that stuff. Yep. The last place God wants you is in a setting like this, why does he fight you so hard? Because there's more power in just one word from God than all the power in Satan's kingdom combined. And if you ever get it in your heart, if you ever let the roots grow, fruit will become inevitable and you will become indestructible and unstoppable. And he knows it, so he wants you to play church. He wants you to get your church on and get your shout on. He wants you to do everything except dig into the book where the power is. He said, you endured a great struggle. And then he says something that people don't preach about anymore, with sufferings. You see, Satan's not on your team. Satan doesn't bring suffering to make you strong. Now, God could make you strong in the midst of your suffering, but that's not what the devil's trying to do. Satan brings suffering to make you quit, not to make you strong. But if you're anything like half the folks in this church, you didn't come this far to only come this far. Life may be tough, but so are you. We we are for tough, if you will. You hear what I'm saying? We, We are built for the journey. Verse 33. Partly, he starts outlining what this church went through. While you were made a spectacle, literally mocked and exposed as in theater, both by reproaches, meaning as soon as the Word of God started coming alive in their hearts and lives, the devil started to attack their good name. Aristotle said uh, something really important. He said, There's only one way to avoid criticism do nothing say nothing, and be nothing. And some of us spent our whole lives trying to avoid criticism, but not realizing, you know, it's an honor to be in a position when people can take issue with your issue. Churchill said it this way, he said, you have enemies, and he said in in his kind of grumpy way that was peculiar to his personality, he said, good. That just means at some point in your life, you stood up for something. And if you're going to stand up for something in your life, somebody's not going to like it. Someone's feathers are going to be ruffled. But I live my life like you live your life for an audience of one. It doesn't matter what everyone else says as long as he's saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. He said reproaches and tribulations. Meaning they they were attacked with words, but they were also attacked physically. And at this time in, in culture, Christianity started to get the blame for everything that had gone wrong in Roman society. So much like what's happening in our academic circles today here in the U.S. So they dealt with reproaches and tribulations. And then he continues, and partly why you became companions of those who were so treated. So those that happened to be spared some of the abuse. Maybe they didn't go to prison, but their next door neighbor went to prison. Those folks did not hide their allegiance. And what they did is they, they sympathized. Well, they, they, again, they were not the one in prison. They were not the one kicked out. But they not only sympathized, but they personally supported All of those being persecuted, they visited the prison, they gave means to their their neighbors, and they all realized they were all in the same boat, and and, and if you go down today, I might be going down tomorrow, and then they recognized that, and they loved on one another. And then he continued, said, that's the way you treated each other, But, but watch how they treated him. For you had compassion on me in my chains. Compassion only asks one question. What if you were me? That's the only question compassion ever asks. You see, your bondage may not be my particular bondage, but whatever your poison, I still want you to know I care. Watch this next verse. And joyfully accepting the plundering of your goods. Now, you know something very real is going on in people's lives. When the local government comes and takes everything you have, all your stuff, And you wake up the next morning with a smile on your face. You know there was a dynamic and there was a genuineness going on in the lives of this people. You see, forgiveness does not ignore justice. It just leaves it to God. And you'll get through this. They, watch this, they joyfully, and he's going to give you the reason for their joy. They joyfully accepted losing everything. Knowing that the only way a person in that situation could respond the way these hebrews did is if they had some inside information you see the bible calls everything that happens in our life as bad as it gets it calls it momentary affliction meaning as bad as it gets, it can only last for a moment so what the bible is teaching pain is temporary but it's quitting that lasts forever but the reason they didn't quit is because they knew something. And if you start to know and not just feel and get excited about but begin to know deep down in your knower, what well, we ought to know about God, we will persevere and we will endure. Watch this. Knowing that. Years ago, a friend of mine uh, asked us to, to lend another friend several thousand dollars for just, just a week or so. And what happened was this, this family just needed a bridge uh, to get them through uh, a couple of weeks, and some money was on the way. And as, as far as uh, I was told, it was an absolute sure thing. Nothing could go wrong. And I didn't really even see it as, as alone. So a loan. So a couple of weeks passed by, and the couple didn't pay us back. And we were in a lean season, personally. You know, and I've taught you before, you, you never lend a person more than you're willing to forgive. Yeah. Amen. Because relationships matter more than money. Amen. But the situation was so certain, I, I didn't even consider it. I didn't even think of it as a as loan. It was like, well, I'm just getting it back on Friday. But to make matters more complicated, this particular family attended the church. But watch this. Knowing that you have something better, you can lose this, but it doesn't sweat you when you know God must have something better. So when they lost their houses, it wasn't that they were, you know, these martyrs and they're just, just morbid people, but they said, well, I might lose this, but better is on its way. But that's something you got to know, by the way, knowing that you have a better and an enduring procession. So after a few months, I had a choice to make. I could grit my teeth each time I saw them. I could talk about them to my wife behind their back. Or I could release it into God's hands, knowing he would reward. Every moment my brain was saying, You are so dumb. Don't let that go. No, 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 no. They make more than you. Don't, don't, you, you, you are, you are silly. But deep down inside, I knew something. Knowing that you have a better. You see, with God, not everything you lose is a loss. Yes, yes, yes. A better. And an enduring possession for yourselves, watch this, in heaven. Luke chapter 18, verse 29. Let's listen to Jesus. Here's his promise for those who have lost. He begins by saying assuredly, which means certainly, definitely, undoubtedly, and unquestionably. Can you get a stronger promise than that? He said assuredly, look them in the eye. I say to you, there is no one, not one person, who has left house stuff, parents, brothers, wife, children, people, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more. But watch this. I knew I could not pastor properly people I was mad at. So I had to make a decision. Not what was best for my particular finances at the moment, But I had to make a decision based on the kingdom. I had to decide whether or not I wanted to be their pastor or their bill collector. And in life, you got to sometimes make these types of choices for God and his kingdom. Jesus says, no one sacrifices people of stuff who shall not receive many times more in this, watch this, present time. Not only in the eternal future, but right now where the sun is still rising and setting. And, meaning God will do it here and now, and in the age to come, eternal life. You see, our little 80 or 90 years is is not long enough to contain all that God's prepared for those who love him. So what he said is, listen, I'm not just going to reward you now because you ain't got space for now. The world can't contain it. 10,000 years into eternity, God will still be rewarding us for the things we invested on this side of glory. Last year, I purchased a a rental property for a family member, and uh, I didn't intend to sell it. I was was taking care of a a family man. I was planning to rent it. But circumstances shift and required me to, to sell it. And... I forgot all about that situation about 10 years ago or so. But after I sold it, I thanked the Lord. When I I, I said, thank you, Jesus, he immediately reminded me of when I gave up my right of collection from that couple 10 years ago for the sake of his kingdom. And when I did the math, I grossed over 10 times. Well, people would have said, I lost. You see, God delays, but he never forgets. And sometimes the things you're holding on to are the things keeping you away from your reward. And if you would just let it go, give it to God, it will position him to do what he's always wanted to do. Hebrews 10 and 35. He said, therefore... Do not cast away your confidence. You will have moments in your life where everything else is gone. I mean, they lost their stuff. They lost their reputation. They lost everything. And all they had left was confidence in God. And people will hurt you. Some people will laugh at you, ridicule you, make fun of you. They'll even steal from you. But the Bible said one thing don't ever let go of, and that's your confidence in God. Amen. Amen. Someone defined confidence this way. He said, all confidence is, is knowing God got your back. Yeah. Yeah. And when people do stuff, yes. God's got you. Right. Yes, he does. So if God's got you, why are you focused on them? Let let it go. Let God handle. It. Not I didn't say let God punish. Let God handle it. Yeah. The best way to get even is to be a bigger success. Yeah. He said, "Therefore, do not cast away your what confidence. This is the one thing the devil doesn't want you to have in life: confidence or faith in God." He said, all that happened, all that loss, the marriage broke up, the relationship broke up, and and this and that broke up. But don't cast away your confidence about this one thing, which has great reward. When life puts you into a, a difficult situation, don't say, why me? Throw up your hands and start worshiping God and say, try me, world, because God put something in me you can't take away. But that type of confidence only comes from God and a relationship with him. God can be counted on to keep his promise. The question is, can you be counted on to wait until he delivers? 36, and I'm through. I think. <laughs> Watch this. Listen to what it says. For you have need, not of getting your money back, not of getting your reputation back. Is that what he said. For you have need of endurance. You see, we think we need answers. But God looks at us and says, no, what you need is stamina. What you need is Fortitude. What you need is stick to it to this. Endurance is defined as the power to withstand pain or hardship. It's the ability or, or the strength to continue despite fatigue or other adverse conditions. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.